The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. We're going to kick things off as we do every day with our afternoon update, catching you up on all that has happened today. Sinead Ryan is with me, presenter of the Home Show here on News Talk, and Kieran Cunningham, chief sports writer with the Irish Daily Star. You are both uh, very, very welcome. Um, Sinead, there's a story about broadband charges actually, and it's kind of uh, fortuitous you're here. So you might explain how do they link our broadband charges to inflation at the moment? Because there's a story about the kind of the government wanting to break that link. Well, they, they link it to maximise profit for themselves. I mean, let, let's <laughs> like not, you know, uh, call a spade a spade. I got a ping, an update from my, uh, my mobile provider to tell me that I needn't worry uh, because the increase that would be coming through was had been agreed and was known and it was going to be inflation plus 3%. And I wasn't worried because I didn't have to do anything, Kieran. They were just going oh, to don't worry do it about automatically. It. We'll, we'll exactly, increase this without exactly. you having to do so, it. And you have this brief moment where you think, is this one of those scam texts that I'm getting, you know? <laughs> and uh, and of course it isn't. So, um, Inflation yes, plus 3%. Plus 3% is a kind of like a standing charge. Now, look, first and foremost, this is a makey uppy thing. All right. It, it's, it's been done because it can be done. Um. And and effectively, what the companies are saying is that our costs are absolutely massive and we really don't want the bad publicity that health insurance companies get twice a year when they kind of randomly uh, all increase their premiums and everybody has, it's in the news cycle for a few days and then it goes away for a while. So by doing this stealthily, automatically, every year, it's kind of hope, hoping that they'll keep increasing the bills without mm. having to go through the pain of, of their thing about. Um, look, it's kind of, a, it's becoming a banned practice in the UK uh, because it's considered anti-consumer, anti-competitive, okay. both of which would seem to be fair comment. Now they'd still be able to increase prices. Yes, they yes. just have to justify it justify in a way it, other than inflation, exactly. is it? Justify it and also be able to say to their customers, look, your bills are going up by 5% or 5 or a month or whatever it is. Here's the reason why. You, you're a journalist, so am I. We get press releases that tells us all this, our costs of increase, we're investing in this, that and the other. We're putting in underground cables, whatever it may be. And it's justified. So this is to do it without the justification. Now, the problem with it is that most people when they buy a mobile phone contract, they lock in for two years because they get the free phone that way. So they could face a hike like five minutes after they buy the contract and then again um, a year on and they can't back out of it because you're in a contract at that stage. So mm. they've no chance of coming out and saying, like, for instance, if if you're, if another company increases their charges in a one-year contract, you have the option of coming out of it uh, and without penalty and going yeah. to another provider. So you won't be able to do that here and that that's why it's I, I don't like it. The other thing is that it's the thin end of the wedge. I mean, what is to stop, for instance, house insurance providers doing this in the future and saying, gosh, that's a great idea. You know, construction inflation is up. Why don't we ping on an inflation thing plus a 3%? Where that's coming from, I don't know. The but that's the kind moment, of meant to happen informally, isn't it? You're meant to, when there's periods of construction inflation, get your kind of your rebuild cost revalued, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, and you're, you're the onus so no is on the No one does it because it just means your it. insurance is going to go oh, yeah, up. Well, I do. I do. Well, of course you do. Um, no, listen, you are <laughs> supposed to do it and the, and the chartered surveyors come out every so often, the insurers come out and say, make sure you're not underinsured because every claim will be yeah, cost rated yeah. down. But, but that means the consumer is still in the driving seat and the consumer is still making the choice. So this the bit of paternalism. Don't worry, we'll do it for you and you just trust that we're putting your money to good use. 
That's the argument I don't like. And it could happen if with electricity companies, with gas companies. The uh, regulator in this area, Comreg, interestingly enough, does not regulate price because this is a fully liberated market. OK, so Eamon Ryan, who is the Minister for Communications, has already come out and said, Comreg said to him, look, will you check this out? And he's come back and said, well, we're not really going to do anything about that in the short term. Uh, so it's giving carte blanche to these companies. And I think... I think in a moment, a period of high inflation as we have now, that could mean somebody's bill goes up by 10% and they can't do anything about it. Inflation is a legitimate reason to increase your prices though, isn't it? As companies, these poor, much maligned companies. Yeah, but wages aren't, um, a lot of people's wages, uh, like they've gone the, the, the opposite way over the last 10, 15 years. Like a lot of people had a lot of wage cuts put in place with the recession and the wages were never put back up in any significant way. So... By, by that metric, they're they're poor. They're you know they're they're poorer than they were. Uh, like I find it interesting what Sinead said there about uh, you know their their attitude is we'll make it easy for you. You know you don't have to do anything, and I think that's very seductive for people because, like uh, I would say you know what, you, what you're saying there, Sinead, you're quite determined to get the best deal, and you shop around and you change providers of different things at different times. And a lot of us should do that. And like, I know I have loads of different subscriptions. And sometimes you look at, OK, that particular streamer, I haven't watched anything in months. Why don't I get rid of it? And it's the hassle or the perceived hassle. Yeah. And I think companies exploit that. They know people, either it is a pain to change or people think it's a pain to change. And that's why they get away with a lot of the stuff. They but it's do not get just away a, with. a subscription, say, where you might be watching something. You could be paying anything between 10 and 20 quid a month. I mean, something like health insurance you might be paying 140, mm. 150 quid a month. How many of us just let that automatically renew yeah. every year? Yeah, and you might even make the call. Sinead and, tells us every year yeah, to shop yeah, around. Yeah, but you, oh, you, might, you might even make the call <laughs> and you're on hold for a while and you, give up and you say, I can't be bothered. The and you say, I'll do it another profit year. profit maker in any company is the consumer's apathy. Mm. If they have that nailed, then they are they are on a winner. Do you know? I mean, who needs new customers when the existing com- com- customers roll over and pay a higher amount each year? So it is really incumbent on us. But I think the point is that it ought not be. You know, we should have rules that make it a little bit harder for companies to float into that apathetic consciousness and, mm. and kind of force us to sign in, for instance, to opt in or at least to say we've thought about it. Um I do want to talk because there's kind of calls for the government to introduce legislation to to do the things Sinead is talking about doing. Um, uh, uh, so uh, no kind of concrete progress on that uh, thus far. There are only calls. Um, I want to ask you about uh, drug driving. So this is kind of interesting comments made today, Kieran, by uh, Drew <coughs> Harris. Um, you know, and you, you do get a sense, and this isn't for a moment to to kind of to seek to diminish the kind of the scourge of drink driving. But I mean, it's been overtaken in a lot of ways. Certainly according to Drew Harris and people who work in this field by drug driving. Yeah, I didn't find this in any way surprising, I have to say. Basically, what he said is that there has been a decline in drink driving because there has been a huge clampdown. You know, that culture has changed significantly and a lot of people that would have been drink drivers in the past or would have risked a couple of pints of getting behind the wheel no longer do so and there's extra checkpoints, etc. But he he makes the point that it's been overtaken by a significant rise in drug driving and that, quote, there, regrettably, we're now seeing things like drink driving, which was falling back and was a long-term decline. Those gains have now been almost lost by that being replaced by individuals driving under the influence of drugs. And 
Um, like I remember um, uh, Keelan Shanley unfortunately lost a couple of years ago was a good friend of mine and Keelan did a, did, did a, a report for Prime Time over 20 years ago and she went around uh, with a, a camera crew I think they were undercover went to different nightclubs and bars in Dublin and swabbed the toilet queue because in every single toilet queue had traces of cocaine mm. and now I think if you went anywhere in the country you get the same result. Like, it's not a big city problem anymore. Like, I'm from rural Donegal. I know that it's the talk of a lot of GA clubs that it's a scourge that, and people are saying, how the hell do we deal with this? And so often it comes down to cost. It's cheaper for young people or students or, or people with a first job. They don't have a huge amount of disposable income to buy a, a, a line of Coke or a couple of lines of Coke or a bag of, a bag of whatever than to buy a few drinks or go, you know, go to uh, go to a pub or a nightclub, mm. and that has overtaken it. And you've seen the the huge seizures of cocaine over the last couple of years. Like uh, Ireland is the, is the conduit for the cocaine trade in Europe. It all comes through through Ireland and then goes on to the rest of Europe. And a lot of the stuff that comes through stays here. So it's everywhere now. And I've seen you see it in a lot of court cases now around the country of assault cases that um, cocaine use is a factor. Mm. And I, I did note it at a couple of major sporting events last year. I was really struck by it, and I'd never seen before, the queue for the men's to- uh, the queue because of the men's toilets. That was never before. It was always in the women's toilets to be yeah. queued for the queue because, but now it's... Uh, and, and a lot of them, uh, those were men in their 50s and 40s wow. and 50s. They weren't kids. Yeah. You know, so. um, Sinead, this is kind of, I know anecdotes, not evidence, but um, I was at a confirmation yesterday and not at the massy part as they say but at the dinner afterwards Dying to know where this is going um, <laughs> but it turns out that the Bishop of Ossery um, and I assume he's doing this at all the confirmations all over his diocese there's a pledge for drink which you and I and all of us would remember from our confirmation um, there's now a pledge for drugs as well and he talked to the kids these are 12 and 13 year olds about drugs he didn't talk about drink mm-hmm. about kind of turning down the drink and if you're offered a drink and don't mind your peer group if they're doing it it was all drugs drugs right. drugs and cocaine now I know people would be listening and they might suggest maybe 12 year olds are kind of a slightly young audience for talking mm-hmm. about cocaine but uh, I think it's indicative is it of where we've gone in the last few years. Yeah, it must be. I, I was surprised, unlike Kieran, when Drew Harris um, came out and said this, and maybe I'm just a little naive or late to the party on it, but I actually am surprised that there are now more drug drivers being um, caught than drink drivers. Uh, and I, I think a lot of it um, is to do with 35 road deaths so far this year. Yeah. And of course, not just the deaths tragic as they are. It's all the other injuries that you don't hear about and the people with life-changing um, you know, injuries afterwards. 19,000 of us were fined for using mobile phones last year. 150,000 speeding offences. We're not getting the message. Do you remember it wasn't even that long ago, but years ago there used to be really aggressive advertising uh, against drink driving and speeding and phones. Like, I remember shocking radio and television adverts on that kind of thing. Really awful stuff. I haven't been shocked by a motoring ad in Mm. a very long time. And whether it's that and a mixture of more guards, visibility on the streets, we've talked about this before in relation to all sorts of issues. Uh, It just seems that culturally we are not getting the message. And now if you've got drug driving, taking over the drink driving, you've an added layer of of injuries and potential um, 
uh, deaths down the road. Yeah. And, and I wonder whether we are doing enough on it in I, that case. I, Kieran, there's a, kind of another element here. You talked about kind of, you know, young lads or young ones, they don't have as much disposable income and kind of this is a way of, of getting that high or that fix um, where drink might have served the purpose in the past. Um, it's a kind of eating disorders awareness week uh, this week and there's an overlap here as well because, and, and I, I know because we've talked about it on this show, um, body image comes into it and this mm-hmm. is kind of maybe more with young fellas than young ones lads playing sport and they view kind of alcohol as just empty calories to a degree. Whereas you go out at the weekend and you take a few pills, you do a few lines of coke or whatever and you know you're not you're not you're not building up any flab around the waist to run off around the pitch the following week. The fashion industry, a lot of models over over the decades would have uh, cocaine would have been used to help them as a a way keeping their weight down. But like uh, it's not a drug I would have any time for because I think it's an egomaniac drug. Like you meet people or somebody will talk to some guy or some woman and they say, oh, good crack when he's few pints of him. But I've never heard anybody say good crack when he's on co- oh, cocaine. They're, they're not. They're, they're always obnoxious a dose. and horrible. They're always a dose, aren't they? That's, <laughs> this should be the public awareness ad. You know, you're always a dose when you're on coke. Um, um, listen, before I let you go, I do want to uh, ask about one more story, a slightly less serious, although maybe some people won't say so. It'll probably elicit the strongest text response of anything on the show today with people uh, kind of accusing film classification uh, bodies have been kind of woke snowflakes or something. Uh, Mary Poppins uh, Sinead is going from so it's been re-released in cinemas to mark its 60th anniversary which means the British Board of Film Classification because it's going back to cinemas have to sit down and kind of review it and make sure that the, the rating is is okay and they've decided to move it from a U universal rating to a PG. Well you'd wonder what they were on Just when they made that Just because of a decision. bit of mild-mannered racism apparently. Mild-mannered racism yes it has been moved from a U for universal to PG for parental guidance uh, because they're desperately worried that children might be corrupted by two scenes uh, both featuring the same character which is a ship's captain who's clearly deranged and uh, he's Admiral in a Boom. scene and he is taught he thinks he's still at war uh, so he keeps yelling out uh, that we're at war with the Hottentots now, Hottentot is a racial term. It's a not appropriate term and it has been it has been done away with for a tribe in South Africa called the Khoikhoi tribe, which is mostly extinguished now since the Dutch invaded and went after them and apartheid didn't help either. And the name came from the type of language they have, which is based on clicks on the tongue and it was hard to pronounce. Mm. And still don't know where it came from. So this idea that Mary Poppins is now you know, possibly a danger to children because they might grow up with racial notions about a South African tribe, I think is utter, utter nonsense. I mean, there's no other word for it. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I would be surprised at the number of parents bringing their kids along to a PG Mm. movie now and remembering or even knowing or having any wish to explain to their five-year-old what, why the mummy has to go with them, you know, or a 12-year-old or whatever the PG age is. When you see some of the stuff that's on in cinemas now that, like, is marked, you know, PG or mm. 12s or 15s. and So is... is I'm shocked do you, by it. So you, it's nonsense because no one, no one remembers this as a racial slur. Look, I, it's not for me to say, and here I am, my white face on me in middle class studio. I, I, it's not for me to say what is and isn't racial. 
Now, of course not. If it's perceived by the people who, who own that as being a racist slur, well, then they're quite right. Uh, I just believe that in a film of this nature made 50 years ago, um, 60. And, 60 years ago and we're seeing you know statues being pulled down and art being defaced and all that kind of thing I just think this is a, a sillier example of it Kieran, should they have put one of those trigger warnings on it instead yeah well they need to put one on the Wizard of Oz it's in the Wizard of Oz too the, the same word yeah, yeah oh, it's in uh, because breaking I, I, I used to be Exclusive. obsessed with the Wizard of Oz as a, as a kid yeah, and actually yeah. even when I was a bit older as a student I had the soundtrack so the Cowardly Lion's first speech he says, uh, about courage, he says, what makes the Sphinx the seventh wonder? Courage. What makes the dawn come up like thunder? Courage. What makes the hot and tot so hot? Courage. It's also <laughs> used in a lyric by Shakespeare's sister, you know, with the band that yeah. Siobhan from Bananarama. And this is an interesting one, a song by Planksty, The Good Ship Kangaroo, uh, and contains the word... Um, Hot and tot, if I can find it again. Give me a... Oh, oh yeah, I'll go, on to, I'll go on to some foreign shore. No longer can I stay. And with some China hot and tot, I'll throw myself away. Cancel so, them all. So they're all cancelled. Kieran Cunningham starts Planksy, the campaign. I've cancelled Planksy. He's cancelled Planksy. He's cancelled the Wizard of Oz. He's cancelled Shakespeare's sister. And he's glad to see the cancellation of Mary Poppins. Uh, 087-1400-106. Kieran Cunningham, Sinead Ryan, thank you both very, very much. Uh, go to any gig in the three arena these days. No queue for the urinals. Huge queue for the cubicles. Uh, one listener points out. Billy from Galway is wondering whether it's all exaggerated. He says, there's a good pub scene here and I've never seen queues and never seen anyone take it and never been offered it. <laughs> so says uh, Billy and somebody else says, I'm a taxi driver who works six nights a week in Dublin and Kieran hit the nail on the head. That's you, Kieran Cunningham. The young people tell me in my taxi anyway that they take it simply because it is cheaper. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.